I'm Amy, and you're listening to the Creativity Matters Podcast. Today on the Creativity Matters Podcast, being a beginner, letting yourself be a beginner, beginner mindset, beginning again, beginning for the very first time. Here we go. You're listening to the CMP, a Creativity Matters Podcast. Stories of creative journey and a reminder that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Creativity Matters podcast. I almost slipped and said creative mom. We were talking about it a bit in a recent drawing group and just strange. It popped into my into my head this morning as I started to say it. How odd that feels. How long ago. The wrong words. Now, now they're the wrong words. But once they were the right words. So welcome to the Creativity Matters podcast, the CMP. It has been a few weeks. I talked last about Amy Maracle's book, Draw Yourself Calm. I know that many of you went on to do her Inchi Challenge in that same time frame. And that was a really great challenge. It was wonderful to see the small pieces of art you created in response to the daily prompts. It was a lot of fun. I did the challenge too, and I really enjoyed it. I tucked it into a specific spot in my day, and I quickly got used to the routine of that. It was only an 11-day challenge, but somehow I picked just the right spot to nestle it into, to always do it after this and before that. When you can anchor or wedge or nestle or carve a creative window into your schedule in a repeatable way, you may find that it sticks more easily. And the first try isn't always the right one. It might take a time or two to find the right spot where you're in the right mindset or can shift into that mindset or can stop and pause and slow down and breathe and switch gears that way. So you might have to try this or that or now or then and see what works. But thinking about your habits in terms of how you can slide them into places that you have or at points where your energy or focus naturally changes, slide into the divisions between blocks of your days. This kind of approach can make it easier to add on a small project or to make use of a creative window that you didn't know you had. There are lots of old shows about mapping and blocking time, really looking at how the hours of the day go. And there are also many times I've talked about things like car sitting, like doing a drawing before I get out of the car at the grocery store, or anytime I used to sit and wait while my kids were doing certain activities. I don't have to drive to school anymore this year. And basically, that means I work almost nonstop at my desk. The grass is always greener, right? There was huge potential and benefit in all of that car sitting I did through the years. So now no more drop off, no more pickup, no breaks like that in my day, no dog walks. A lot of things have changed, and I clearly haven't found a good system yet. But in talking about those small windows... I remember fondly the year that I pulled the car over on the side of the road every morning after drop-off, set a five-minute timer, and drew a house from the street. 
a little bitty toe in the water of urban sketching and also an attempt to use a different window that I didn't normally use that way. I normally would rush right back to my desk to go back to work. Five minutes on the side of the road. It was a really, 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 really wonderful experience doing that. It was an empowering process. Five-minute windows are there. You just have to find them and then pair them up with something you've been wanting to do. And that was a really good fit for me. That was a good pairing. Today's show isn't about finding time. It's about being willing to begin, to be a beginner. And that can be a real stumbling block at times. And it can be a real stumbling block when you really are at the beginning, when you're wanting to build a creative habit, when you want to start painting or using watercolor or gouache or trying a different medium or trying to draw or doing portraits or painting animals or birds or toys or whatever it is that is pulling at you that you really want to do that. But you have to be a beginner. Before I dive into that, though, I will mention a few of these little nuts and bolts or whatever they might be called. There is a group at Facebook for Creativity Matters podcast listeners who are looking for a small community. It's a low-key but supportive space. We have a small book club there too, completely optional, but if that's something you might be interested in, the link is in the show notes. I post at Instagram as oamyoamy, and I hope you will follow and connect there. I share the hashtag illustrate your week prompts each Sunday there. These are illustrated journal prompts that are pretty flexible and freeform and I have been sharing these now. This is the third year of doing these. If you are at all curious or interested in illustrated journaling or looking for a way just to start adding more drawings to your journal or to your planner, your bullet journal, your calendar, whatever, you might find these a good set of nudges and prompts each week to consider. I've posted the Inktoe Portraits prompts for 2022 that I will be using during October for my own portrait-focused Inktober daily drawing in Inktober. And I do portraits. And this is the third year for me doing Inkto portraits. And it's sort of like a party of one. I don't expect a lot of people to use them. But by putting the list together, I thought it all through what I'm going to do and did a lot of advanced legwork. It definitely saves me time later, because otherwise, I am much more likely to sit and spend a long time, way too long, trying to figure out what to draw each day. So I feel ready at least in terms of my themes for the upcoming October series. So anyway, oamy oamy at Instagram, and I'd love to have you connect there and say hi. If you want to stay up to date with the CMP, please do sign up for the newsletter. And I don't send a newsletter out often, but it is a good way to make sure you get highlights when I do. I also do hold weekend drawing sessions. They are small, They are very much like showing up at a coffee shop and drawing together. We talk about what we're drawing, what's going on, what we watch on TV, or what shows we like, or what books we're reading, or just what's happening. So it's very casual. It's totally fine for people who don't like to talk a lot. If you are interested in joining sometime, drop me a message at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. 
Okay, so today, beginning, beginning, being a beginner. But first, a bird story. I was out for a walk a few days ago, and as I rounded the back edge of this concrete loop where I walk, birds started darting in and out of the bushes and the brush that borders the walk along this back wall. There's a retaining wall there and this hillside behind it. And they startled me. I was lost in thought, and they startled me. And I jumped, and then seeing a bird settle on the branch and seeing its dull olive color, gray olive I don't know. I can't even pinpoint these colors and this drives me crazy. But I stopped to try and snap a photo because at different times of the year, I've puzzled over birds at this loop and I think it might be these same birds. I remember them at a very different spot in this walk, but it's a certain set of birds that I have not been able to sort out. I have observed and gotten to know many different birds at this particular loop over the years. It's right next to a children's playground, and I definitely made friends with the white-crowned sparrows years ago, and they will always be a really special bird to me. And that's where I first started watching them and learning them and knowing them. And there have been other kinds of birds that are really regular visitors in this space. But these little birds, they have eluded me. Seeing this one as I was close to these branches the other day, I thought, okay, this time I'm going to manage to get a photo that's close enough and clear enough that I can figure this out. But I tried, and the bird kept moving and darting and shifting between the branches, almost completely blending into the greens and browns of the brambles, which made it hard to find it in the camera view of my phone. And then, as I looked, trying to locate it again so that I could try and get it into my phone's view, I saw that not only was the pale olive grayish green bird there, there was also a yellow and black bird, which I hadn't noticed. You know, how the light will fall and these birds can completely blend into their surroundings that way. And so I saw this flash of yellow, and there it was, in the same space with this mystery olive green bird. I tried to grab photos, even though they kept pushing farther into the tangle of branches and leaves. And then later home, when I thought to pull up the photos to see if I could tell, if I'd gotten anything that would let me be able to really see, hoping that I could sort it out what these mystery birds are, what my mystery olive colored bird is. And I thought that maybe now that I had a yellow bird there, that was really going to be the clue, the deciphering clue, because I figured that that was probably the male and the other might be the female of the species. So I opened the photos up that I had snapped and not super surprisingly, basically all I could tell was I had a bunch of leaves and sort of hate how that happens. Zooming in and straining, I could kind of figure out where I think the bird might have been when I snapped that, but it's too blurry for any detail. When I saw that yellow one, I did think warbler. It just is what popped into my head. But when I started looking online, it was pretty clear immediately that I didn't have enough information to go on. I couldn't differentiate from the momentary glimpse I had. I couldn't differentiate between the very common 
yellow birds that might be in my area. How much yellow? How much black? How much black on the head? What do the wings look like? When I think about the olive, the greenish, grayish ones, I don't think about black. So nothing quite matched up. I was hoping that information on the females would help, but it wasn't immediately clear. I looked up the yellow birds in my area just to see, to see if warblers might be here. The yellow had surprised me. I don't think I see yellow birds very often. I didn't ever really think about the fact that those olive gray color birds that I've puzzled over were possibly or even most likely females of a bird that might have much more color. It just never crossed my mind, should have, but it didn't. And it may be that these are not the same birds at all as the ones from last year or whenever it was I last tried to sort this out. But in the here and now, I have this pair, one yellow with some black, although I can't remember how much, and one olive grayish. I don't even have a good color name to use. I don't think I would have used gray, but in looking up all of these other birds in the descriptions, I see olive and gray thrown together for some of these, and I can sort of see that maybe that fits. So I'm going to go with that, although it feels very imprecise to me. So I pulled up some lists. The ones that I puzzled over in the past had seemed so ordinary to me, so pale, and I had always dubbed them as siskins. I don't know why. I knew it wasn't right. Every time I would see them, I would think, oh, pine siskin. And then I would go home and look it up, and they're not pine siskins. But my brain kept saying, these are siskins. Our brains sometimes do that. So that's not what it is. I kept thinking warbler, but then I thought, well, what about a goldfinch? Might be possible. Sort of made sense. I know we have house finches. So goldfinch popped into my head. And in looking, I decided that maybe they are lesser goldfinch, which is a kind of goldfinch. And maybe when I was trying to figure this out, I was frustrated with myself that I didn't have any details locked into place. Not enough details. Did I not look closely enough? I mean, I didn't just keep walking. I stopped. I stopped, but I also was trying to get the photo because I thought the photo would help. Maybe that was my problem. I should have just stopped, really looked, and tried to lock it in with my eyes and realize that my camera can't be trusted. My phone camera can't be trusted in that moment. So did I not look? Did I not look closely enough? I Clearly, I didn't. Could I have gathered more information in that moment and really remembered the details an hour or even a day later when I thought again to look it up? Not sure that I could have. I could have looked more closely, yes. I should be able to better observe small details, yes. I should be better trained about what to notice, what to immediately notice that will help me later piece it together. Because there are things that you should take in and that will really help you with that identification process. Remembering an hour later or a day, I don't know about that. But I feel driven now to go again, of course, to hope that they will still be there in those bushes, that they were not just passing through. Why? Well, yes, to sort out the mystery, yes, to feel like I can give words to some of the things I pass helps us feel like we're not just drifting through our days when we can name and identify and write down that we saw something specific 
that our day wasn't just a blur. It helps remind me to slow down and to look and to look better. And of course, I wanted to be able to put it in my journal. That was the whole point. When I saw it, I thought, oh, I will record this. This will be great. I can record this bird and draw this bird. And I love that. That fits into the whole idea of Illustrate Your Week. And of course, what we have to know and remember and accept is that observation is a skill. It is a skill. I would be a terrible witness, no doubt. I am not sure that will ever change. There are things I just don't take in. But there are times when I remind myself to slow down and really look, to look with intent, to be intentional in my looking. Times when I notice colors on houses, details of trim, the clouds in the sky. I can't say I'll remember them later or be able to describe them in words, give names to the colors, draw out shapes that are different from any other time I've looked at the sky. That's always the challenge to me. It's always the disappointment with my own skills, my own ability to see and translate, see and remember, see and record. Enjoying it in the moment, though, that has a whole lot of value. But I would sure like to preserve that. November is coming, and I've caught glimpses already, once or twice, glimpses of sky that remind me that my favorite days are coming. My favorite days, my favorite skies, my favorite sky, all wrapped up with everything else that November holds. And this year, it will be different, different in such a major way for me. But this year, I will look again. And maybe this year, I will do better recording that. I always plan to and have tried to many, many times in different ways. But every year as it approaches, I think, okay, I'll do it differently this time. But I got to get through October first. And October has, as I said, inkto portraits. So that's a long helter-skelter month. It's busy and intense in its own way, even though I do it my own way. And I'm not really trying to be a part of that big, big, big thing that Inktober is, but I'll take the challenge for what it offers me in my way. I think many of us have trouble with the details, with slowing down enough for close observation and observation in passing. But I think we can practice. With birds, I know we can practice. We can improve our ability to see details, to notice, to differentiate, to quickly key in on important spots, important details, shapes, sizes, and colors. We can use crutches to support our effort, a notepad, a pen. We can improve our ability to see and to know what we see. And this is true for birds, insects, flowers, weeds, trees. Of course it is. For whatever it is you want to observe and record, we can improve our abilities. Walking briefly in a different place last week, I walked under a tree and realized immediately that it was a ginkgo. And I really love ginkgo. Some shapes never leave you. For some reason, certain shapes may embed themselves in your brain and in your personal history, in your own bank of symbols. So I snapped a quick photo just to remind myself it's a little detail again that I might work into my journal later. If I see it, I might draw it. It's part of my week. 
And as I continued down the block, I passed another tree. And as I walked by, I had a moment thinking, that looked like a ginkgo too, but it was different, different than the other one. But the shape, I kept thinking it made me think of a ginkgo, but it was different. And I didn't stop. I didn't stop. But I was thinking about it as I kept walking. I was thinking about those two trees and wondering about their differences and thinking I should have stopped and snapped a photo of each and looked them up later. And, you know, we can't track down every single thing that comes in front of us. I was trying to get in this small walk and I didn't stop. I did a long bird study years ago and daily bird drawings for more than a year And that was the first time that I really, really, really tried to get to know the birds around me and do exactly what I'm talking about, notice and see and draw them. It was a wonderful year of watching and discovering and puzzling and sorting out. And it was exciting. It was exciting to realize that if I opened myself up to look, there were all these things to see. In that case, there were all these birds to see. And I was just always too busy to look and to notice. It was a really wonderful, wonderful and important process. And it had a lot of layers to it, to the drawing and to the writing about it and the philosophizing about all of it. It now feels like ancient history. And I guess it sort of is personal ancient history. But it was incredibly powerful at the time. And I know that I did it. So what I know is that if what I really wanted to do was to be a bird watcher or a bird artist or a nature journaler, I could. I could. But I wouldn't start out being an expert in doing so. What I also know is that while I could go out, spot a bird, look it up, make some notes... Doing a drawing right away is something I probably would not excel at. I wouldn't have the kind of skill that I might hope to have, the kind of skill I see and admire in others. Not right away, not immediately. With birds, I can draw from reference photos. Of course, I can draw what I see. But on the spot, there's something very different in trying to quickly make observations and get notes down that will help you later sort things out Or that might be enough in and of themselves, just those notes, that bit of recording, that detail. With flowers or trees, I would have even less background, less vocabulary to help sort out differences, specifics, shapes, sizes, colors. It takes work. It takes practice. It takes repetition. It takes doing it again and again. If I wanted to start urban sketching, I would need to start from the beginning. And yes, you can start with drawing what you see, but you have to realize that your skill is probably not what you hope it will become, what you wish it might be. And I would know that it would take time to gain skill, to get more natural and automatic with perspective, to start to use color or wash, to get quicker and more accurate in blocking in sizes and shapes and big areas of detail so that I could fit things in around it, to find the balance between all of that detail and the scene, the shape, the essence. There have been times that I've wanted to do that, but I haven't. Haven't necessarily wanted it enough 
building a skill takes time. It takes work. It takes some dedication and some focus, but it really takes that willingness to be a beginner. It takes an understanding that where we start is just that, a starting point. We don't start at the end. We can't expect that our first efforts will meet the ideal in our head or the work of others who have spent years, maybe a lifetime, of focusing on a craft. When you're starting out, you will not be what it is that you aspire to be. You have to let yourself be a beginner. You have to be gentle with yourself, knowing that your early work may not be as good as you want, but that it may be as good as you can right then. And that what matters is that you did it. You did it once. And if you do it again, you did it again. And incrementally, and sometimes it's slow, incrementally you will change and you will grow. For some people, that's frustrating. For some people, that's the stopping point, the sense that they want to do something, but they want to be good right then. You can't do sit-ups once or twice and expect to develop a full set of abs. I use quotes around good people want to be good. I use quotes around it because it's such a variable word. It's a loaded word. It's not even what everybody cares about and and who decides what it means, really. I do not believe the number of Instagram followers has any credence to whether or not your work is good. I really, really don't. I think too many people do think that, but I don't. People want to be good. I use air quotes around it, but it is what a lot of people think and a lot of people say, I want to be good at it. I want to try something, but I want to be good. It's been a month or so since someone told me that they wanted to start drawing. And it was out of the blue, but someone wanted to start drawing. And it took a little bit of teasing at it, tugging at it, nudging at it, digging at it to figure out what it actually meant, to get to the kernel of what was going on, what the want really was? What was it specifically? Because just wanting to draw can mean all kinds of things. So this person wanted to start drawing portraits specifically, but they wanted to be good. They wanted to be good right away. They wanted to start out and be good. They knew what they wanted, but they didn't necessarily want to have to go through what it takes to get there. The practice and the repetition. They didn't want to really have to do all the hard work, the daily work, the practice, the repetition between where they might start and what they wanted to be able to do. But they were interested enough and intrigued enough, curious enough, the desire was somehow strong enough that they did go on and start and kept at it daily. And that is what it takes. It takes doing the work. Enjoying the doing, yes, enjoy the doing. If you enjoy the doing, then it doesn't matter what it looks like as you start because you know that the repetition will build skill. But you have to be gentle with yourself. You have to accept that process. You have to be excited enough just about the doing that you go on and do it regardless and that you are willing to keep doing it because you believe that that's how you learn and then that's how you grow. You have a growth mindset. You do believe that you can get better and reach a point at which you're really happy with the work you're producing. At all stages of art making, you have to be gentle with yourself. If you enjoy the process, that is what matters. When you enjoy the process, then you continue to do it. You learn, you grow, make art, your skills develop, you improve, you become more refined in how you do it. 
but it isn't necessarily a fast process. It might be for some, but for others, it's a day-by-day, page-by-page thing, a hobby, a habit, an art that you keep working on. And some of us go through cycles where we have to start over and we have to be a beginner again. Some of us take breaks. We might take long breaks. We come back to things at certain points in our lives and we think, okay, I want to do this again. And we feel rusty. We might feel like, hey, I thought this was like a bicycle and you do it once and you'll always know how, but I feel rusty and my work doesn't look the way I want it to look or the way it used to look. We have to give ourselves time to ease back into our processes, warm up our skills, remind ourselves how things feel, and it may involve retraining our hands, our eyes, the coordination between them. I think back and there were several really important points in the journey that this podcast has tracked or correlated with, coincided with points at which I had to do that over and over and over and do certain kinds of drawings, even when everything in me just thought they were so not, not worth it. You have to find those things that you can hook onto and repeat as you both reestablish your habits and as you try and improve your skills. So it really depends on what you're doing. If you're starting something brand new or starting art for the first time or trying a new medium or just trying to rekindle your processes. But mostly all of those can use the same answer is that you just have to do it and keep doing it. And that repetition is really important. It can be hard though to make peace with ourselves as beginners to let ourselves make a mess or draw something that our inner critic rejects or picks apart or that someone else says something negative about We know in our mind's eye what we want our work to look like. And if we look down and see that ours isn't there yet, isn't like that yet, it can be frustrating. It can be discouraging. It can be disappointing. Some people shut down after that, sadly. Some people shut down. Maybe they try three or five or seven times. And if they don't immediately see the spark dancing in their work, sort of this little glimmer of light that says, hey, yeah, I can see that it's happening, this glimpse of what is to come, then they stop. They decide that they can't do it, that it isn't for them, that they aren't talented enough, that they just don't think they can do it. They tried, didn't work out, they moved on. In truth, if you go on to do whatever it is, 20 or 30 or 100 or 365 or 730 times, the changes will likely be profound when you look back from beginning to end. I have a show a long time ago called Scroll Your Feed, and it can be really important for all of us to look back, even in the near past, to look back at your work over the last year or the last two years, or if you do a repeat project once a year, to look back at what you did the last couple of years. Continuing to work at our art over time makes a big difference. If the process of doing it makes you happy, then it doesn't really matter what the end result is on that day, as long as you can just accept it, accept what you did and say, hey, I did that. And that is really cool that I did that. The doing mattered and had meaning and the mindfulness matters, the slowing down, the breathing, the feeling at the end that it was time well spent, that you made that, you drew that, you painted that. That feeling matters. 
We can't just step into the skill that someone else has practiced, honed, and refined. But we can remind ourselves that they too have been on a journey. We all start somewhere. The way I do portraits may not ever stand out for anyone else. I accept that. But I can still look back at my own journey, my own trajectory with portrait drawing. It has only been a handful of years, just a couple, since I started drawing portraits. I'll ignore the fact that trying to draw and paint my boys as little kids, toddlers, back when the show first started, is what got me started on this whole creative journey in the first place as an adult. So ignoring all of that, drawing portraits, doing that is just a few years old for me. And when I look back at the early ones from just a few years ago, I see how skewed things were, how distorted some things were over and over. We can be fairly critical when we look back at our early work. And yet at the same time, I look at it and I see that I did it over and over and that I continued every day drawing these portraits. I see clear patterns of where I was off, where I didn't see right, where my own skills were different than they are now. And I see how those things changed over time. I know that if I went back and drew the same person now, it would turn out differently. We grow, we evolve, and hopefully that is a process that continues, that we don't reach an end point, that we are always, always growing and evolving. You don't just reach a point where you've arrived and you're done and you can't learn anymore. We grow, we evolve, and sometimes then we pivot and we change and we branch out and do something different where we might even be a beginner. It's all about the journey. It's okay even if you finish and you sort of laugh at what you did. You sort of like it, but you sort of laugh. And you sort of look at it and you might be puzzled, like, why does it look a little bit wonky. The doing matters. And doing it exercised a skill, a skill set that you are building and finding your way into. Finding support can be really important. Being able to show someone it can help, but it can also be scary and vulnerable. Depends on your personality. It can be scary when you're trying something new and you feel really, really unsure and uncertain and maybe don't have as much confidence in what you're doing. Someday you will, but right now, maybe not. It's a big sea out there, and the depths are dark and not always friendly. But if you have a friend or a small group, that can help keep you going. That can make a big difference in how you feel. But still, it mostly has to just be you. You have to love it. You have to want it. You have to want to keep doing it and be willing to keep doing it. And Be gentle with yourself in the doing. If you don't, then you'll either just switch to try something else, and that can be the right thing to do. For sure, if you have tried something that you thought you wanted to do, and you realize you really don't like it, that you don't enjoy it, then switching might be the right thing to do. We can admire and appreciate and be inspired by all kinds of art and know that making that kind of art is not right for us. So if you try something and find that you don't love it the way you thought you would, then yes, move on, try something else. But don't quit just because your growth isn't as fast as you want, or because your starting point isn't the same as the ideal in your head, or because whatever you drew or painted today doesn't look like 
that other person that you really like. Give yourself the grace of being a beginner, of learning, of growing. And really, we all need to do that, to continue to do that. We all continue to learn and to grow, and we all deserve giving ourselves grace every single day with the art we make. I'm going to tie it together with a non-art example because I got obsessed with jump rope this year, and I know it probably sounds odd. It took me months and months before I finally bought one, as crazy as that sounds. The jumping community online, or the skipping community, you'll see it called both, is huge. So if this is something that sounds silly, you might be surprised at how huge it is. And the jumping community among middle-aged and older women is actually really strong and really, really inspiring. Seems like a lot of people started jumping during the pandemic. And I guess I didn't notice that at the time. I wish I had. I wish I had started around the time most of these people started because then I think it would have somehow made it feel different in my head. But these people have been jumping for a few years and I watched forever, completely inspired, really enamored, really hooked. When I finally got a jump rope, I was really excited for the process and immediately liked what I was doing, but also really amazed at how ungraceful one can feel. I was jumping at first in a little patch of living room. I had delayed for a long time even deciding to start because I couldn't figure out where I could do it. When my rope came, I tried it in a little patch of living room because I am too embarrassed to do it outside. But I'm equally terrified that the floor will give out, that I will fall through the floor since our house sits on top of a basement and the house is old and everything creaks and I'm pretty convinced that everything is about to fall apart. So I know all of that sounds silly, but the anxiety is real. So it worries me. All of these jumpers I follow, they head outside, set up a mat, and they jump. And then they film themselves jumping. And then they share that. This is really cool community. Just like we might draw or paint and show our daily art, they jump rope. And some of them, yes, have nice backyards or decks or patios, big empty rooms even where they can do it more privately. But there are a lot of people I watch who are just throwing a mat down somewhere outside. Definitely, they're not invisible. It may sound super simple to start jumping rope. You might be surprised. Recommendations are something like two or three minutes, three times a week for a while as you build up this skill. And depending on your fitness, two minutes may seem laughable. Two minutes in a row, at least, it's probably a little more than you think. Once you can do the basic bounce, do it consistently without tripping and without, you know, slapping your legs or hitting yourself in the head over and over or tripping, then there are all kinds of different jumps, different steps and skills and rope releases and routines. It's a pretty cool thing to watch. It's one of the coolest things I've tried, really, in a long time. And I have no doubt that doing it 30 days straight would yield amazing growth. And 100 days, I can only imagine what a difference it would make. But I'm embarrassed to be seen doing it. I am too embarrassed to just go outside on the sidewalk in front of my house and be a beginner. 
And I can't get past my own mental block about that. I'm embarrassed to be a beginner, to look foolish, to look silly. I realize it has really stopped me. And it's exactly the same thing some people go through with art. Except that art, you can do a little more privately. You don't really have to do it in front of a bunch of people. I've managed to do it outdoors a few times. I don't have a mat, but I dragged out an old kitchen rug once out of the basement. And even then, I stood up as close to the edge of the house as I could get and still managed to freely swing my rope, knowing that the neighbors on each side might still be able to see me from their back windows as they looked out into the yards, knowing that I might look ridiculous. I want to be able to take the rope when I go for a walk and stop at a patch here or there and jump. Just keep practicing basic single jumps. That's fine. I don't mind the repetition of doing the same thing. I tried a few of those steps and I clearly can't do those. So I realized that I need to just keep practicing this really basic jump. I want to be able to go do it when I walk or to walk down to the playground and do it back in the basketball court or something like that. Build my endurance. But I'm all in my head about not wanting to be seen. And there's a related practice called flow rope. And I am just a swoon watching flow rope. I don't have a rope for that, but I would love to do that. You don't jump when you use flow rope. And I can't necessarily buy a flow rope, but it too would require being outside in a space where learning will be really public. It might even be more public than just the jumping. It takes more space. Sometimes it's so hard to learn. It's hard to let ourselves learn because we're all so caught up in what people think and what people see and what they'll say, what they won't say. It is easier when you have support. So I go back to that. If you can find a buddy to draw with, that really helps Drawing the same thing every day is a really great thing to do. If you have someone you know that you can say, okay, let's both draw our coffee cup today, or here's a picture of my coffee cup, let's draw it. And you might draw the same thing tomorrow and the next day and the next day, or every day somebody else picks or something like that. And you just do it for the practice of it and the fun of it and you go on. Or if it's portraits, you pick a portrait and you do the same thing. It can be really helpful. I think if I had a buddy that wanted to learn to jump rope with me, that'd be great. It would make things easier. I think if two of us were in the same space jumping at the park or whatever, I could ignore everybody around me, but I just can't by myself. And I don't have that person. I don't have a buddy anyway, a zero. I certainly don't have one who wants to jump rope. I can't even find someone to draw with. But you might have better luck than that because you are a different person and you might already have all these people that you could pull on board with you to help support you as you learn your skill or to be a beginner with you. So look for a buddy or an accountability partner, someone who can nudge or encourage or support and maybe even learn with you. If you have an art form you want to learn, you might join a challenge, take a workshop, join a community, start posting, make some connections. We all need encouragement. We need support. We need a thumbs up here and there. But beyond all of that, we need to believe in ourselves, in our why, the reason we are wanting to do something. And we have to be willing to be a beginner and to learn. The reward is there in the distance as the outcome 
of all that practice and repetition, the improvement in our own work that we will someday see. But we have to keep jumping, keep drawing, keep painting, keep looking for birds and trying to notice something that will make it easier to identify them. Some birds you never forget. For me, cedar waxwing, robin, hummingbird, house finch, white crown sparrow, stellar's jay, junco, nuthatch, California scrub jay, cardinal, starling, and of course the wild parrots. Those are just a few of the ones that I've gotten to know that I consider part of my personal history and my set of symbols, the things I look for, the things I consider part of my story. I got to know all of those years ago. Once you know them, they stick with you. And I want to know the yellow bird, but maybe I want to know that olive gray green one even more. So I'll be looking. And you, try something that you want to do and then try it again tomorrow. You'll be glad you did. I am the art. The art is me. And that is it today. That is it for episode 470 of the CMP, the Creativity Matters podcast. Thank you if you listen all the way. Sometimes the most important nugget, it might be near the end. And I just weave things together because things have a way of connecting. As always, I'm Amy, and you can reach me at creativitymatterspodcast at gmail.com. I mentioned all the other things at the beginning, but you can find me in the Facebook group at Instagram as oamyoamy. I post Illustrate Your Week there. The Inkto portraits are there if you're at all interested in doing that in October. Love to see what you draw for the same prompts. The music I play is courtesy of Nikolai Heidless. Thank you to those of you who have supported the CMP in any way through the years at Kofi or the Wishlist or at Patreon, patreon.com slash creativity matters. I don't try to sell myself very often or very hard to my own detriment. I have not done all the things that would have turned this into something else, probably because I'm afraid to jump rope out there in public. Until next time, remember that creativity matters in whatever form it takes for you. And don't forget to breathe. Have a good week, everyone.